Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Down in the chapter, 2 Samuel 19, verse 31. We'll start there and read a few verses of scripture today. And Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rogelim, went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, even four score years old. A score is 20 years for four score. That's 80 years old. And he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mehanaim, for he was a very great man. The king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live, that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old, and can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king, and why should the king recompense it me with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again that I may die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. But behold thy servant, Chimham. Let him go over with my lord the king and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. And the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me. And I will do to him which that which shall seem good unto thee and whatsoever thou shalt require of me that will I do for thee. Amen. This morning I want to I want to minister this. I'm I'm minister to us all today, but as of any time you come to this place, it's it's hard to hit the gamut of ages that lies within a crowd, even this size. So difficult. It may not always fall where you are as far as age appropriate. But I want to minister to us all, but I want to particularly today minister to the old and the young. I know that's still everybody, but I want to minister to our our more mature, and I say this with all with all respect, elderly today. I don't know if we necessarily come here very often and just pay a little attention to that particular spectrum of age, but I want the elderly, I, and I... I I'm by no means shooting darts here, but whenever we start our Simeons and Annas later, which we have a couple now to be over, that's going to be 55 and above, all right? I want to minister to you all today and minister the blessing of an elder. The blessing of an elder. Amen. And say, well, all right, I can already go on vacation because that's not my age group. Please do not do that to me. 
And don't be disrespectful to those elders that are standing among us. Amen. If you're 55 or older, would you mind recognizing that? Just raising your hand across this building today. 55 and older. Chris says he's not quite sure about that. I don't know if I want to accept that. That's okay. Will you look around? Look at these hands. Put those hands back up, will you? The rest of the, uh, yeah, look around and look at these, these folks this morning. Amen. We want to minister the word of the Lord. Yeah, that's all right. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. Hallelujah. Let's pray today that God would touch us. Lord, I need you, Jesus, this morning. God, I know, Lord, what you've been, Lord Jesus, contending with me on in my mind and my heart, God, concerning this. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, God, that you would anoint, God, your, your, your speaker, God, for your words already anointed. Help me, God, to convey, God, what, what, what's been rolling over in my heart and over in my mind. Pray, oh, Lord Jesus, you have to help us. Lord, the aged and the young alike, God, that you're able to help us, Lord, within, Lord, the assembly called the church. God, I praise you and thank you, Lord, for what you accomplish or do in this place. The lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Shake someone's hand today and tell them the blessing of an elder. Amen. Thank you today for standing for the reading of the word. We live this morning in a society where the number of the aged has increased. Advances in science, better housing conditions, food, the availability thereof, as well as progress that's been made in medicine have all contributed to this increased number of the aged. According to a study of the Department of Population and Economic Social Affairs of the United Nations in the year 2000, it said a considerable increase in the number of the aged persons is foreseen. In 2000, there were 66 million people who were 80 years of age or older. And in the year 20,050, they project that this number is expected to reach 370 million. 2.2 million of those people being 100 years of age or older. As a matter of fact, uh, on a Time magazine that I've gotten this year, uh, they had a little advertisement on the back for, uh, I think it was this year, or no, it was a, a year old. It was one of Grandpa Holland's Time magazines, actually, that I had read this year. It was back in the year 2007, and on the back they had an advertisement for Hallmark, and in that year alone, 85,000 happy 100th birthday cards had been sent in that year. And for some... Presently, not in that age group or that age bracket or mature enough, might consider the aged as, and that increasing aged bracket becoming more and increased and more people that's going to be aged as time goes on may look at that as a forecast of gloom and a forecast of despair because they view these aged people as burdens. Everybody listening to me? And the reality is this, 
many of the aged already feel like burdens before anybody even mentions it. These younger ages believe that the higher cost of health care is because we have so many older people that are still alive with physical ailments that constantly need attention. Therefore, they are the ones that are driving up the cost of health care than for everybody else. Sadly, even a few years ago, the then Colorado Governor Richard Lamb in a discussion of spiraling health care costs said that the terminally ill elderly people have, quote, a duty to die and get out of the way, unquote. Now, folks, that is a strong statement for the people that fall within that age bracket that's already dealing with aging bodies more susceptible to illness than what they were, declining in their strength. They've reached that moment of time. And here's a little side note for us all. We'll all reach it someday. They finally reached that moment in time where they feel useless. They have lost several friends and loved ones, experienced times of loneliness, dwindling incomes, and they feel like a burden without anybody voicing it. Amen. We're living in an era where the baby boomers are dying. Men and women who witnessed the depression or at least the aftermath of the depression and many of them who even had fought in World War II are perishing by the dozens every day and yet they term society does them a burden. I say otherwise. They're a blessing. And they've helped my generation, a privileged generation, They've helped my generation become a privileged generation by the sacrifices that they made in their generations. Someone say amen. In the words of Joseph's story, a lawyer and pre-Civil War Supreme Court justice, he spoke these words. He said, let the American youth never forget that they possess a noble inheritance bought by the toils and sufferings and blood of their ancestors and capacity if wisely improved and fully guarded of transmitting to their latest posterity all the substantial blessings of life, the peaceful enjoyment of liberty, property, religion, and independence. That famous quote resonates even today, although when it was first said was back in the early 1800s. And it should echo loud and it should echo clear in the years of our generation, my generation alive today because its underlying theme, I believe, does not just apply to the world, but it applies to the church as well. The reality of the matter is this, folks. All of the perks, all of the privileges, all of the blessings, etc., of any one generation is the sum total of the work of the labor, of the intercession, of the sacrifice, of the prayer, and of the dedication of all the other previous generations before it. Someone say amen. What I'm saying today is we walked into this place. What I felt in the few moments of time in our worship service 
is not just a direct link to who has gathered here today. But this goes way further back than just this morning. This goes back to Bishop McGee. This goes back to Clifford Corbett. This goes back to men and women that even predated their days that allowed us to be able to come into places like this because of intercession and prayer and fasting and seeking God and tears that went down wrinkled faces of long ago that we're able to come in here today. Raise a hand and feel and touch heaven to some magnitude the privilege and the power and the wonder of the glorious God. It's just not about what I've contributed this morning but it's about everybody that preceded me what they contributed in their relationship with God that brings value to my relationship today someone say amen God is a God of generations God works within the scheme of generations rather than a generation he is oftentimes referred to in the Old Testament the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob because he is a generational God. In each generation, we come along and we build upon the foundation that is left by the previous generation. And with that being said, the older generation is not a burden, shouldn't be to the world, but it shouldn't be a burden to the church as well. I don't bow my head because somebody's got to call me on the phone that's old and up in years and has got to tell me their ailments or their prayer requests. And they might talk a little slower than they used to and might have to think to try to find the words. I'm just going to sit there patiently and listen because there were days when their speech and mind was clear that they would utter words to the heaven that set a premise for where I stand and what I'm doing and what I've been made a part of today. Someone say amen. They are not a burden. If nothing less, they are a catalyst. They are a catalyst. They are a mechanism that has furthered this present generation beyond where we would have been if we went alone by ourselves. because they can stand up and talk about pop belly stoves, having to start a fire, having a light on just an electrical switch at the very end, talking about all these different things because they talk about that. I can talk about a building like this, air conditioning, amen, having money in the bank to send to world missions because somebody preceded us, somebody went before us. We're further along today because there's elderly sitting among us that gave when there wasn't anybody else to give. They put their two mites in even when they were on a fixed income. Someone say amen. Amen. Hallelujah, they're a blessing. I miss some of the people. I miss the Betty Phelps. I miss the Nadine Deomes. I miss the Junior, amen, and Irene Weisenbergers. I miss some of those that have already passed off the scene because they were people. There's one thing that they had right more than anything. They knew what it was like to pray. They knew what it was like to worship. They knew what it was like to pass. They knew what it was like to give. And they did so faithfully. They didn't let age, they didn't let age get in the way. They were gonna put their best foot forward to the best of their ability. Why? Not just for themselves, but for you and you and you and me. Someone say amen. 
God is a generational God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9, but ye are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shoot forth the praises of him who have called ye out of darkness into this marvelous light. Peter says, ye are a chosen generation. Does it say you're chosen generations, plural, but a chosen generation? Because Peter wasn't just addressing, listen to me now, Peter wasn't just addressing his generation, but he was addressing, you can look and read the chapter, he was addressing the generations of them that believed in Christ Jesus and his truth and his message and believed that Christ was precious. This, this generation he was talking about was a group of believers from the more aged to the young. It encircled, if you will, the more mature in Christ and even those who were newborn babes in Christ. Yet Peter says, ye are a chosen generation, singular, not generations, plural, because there is a spiritual generation that knows not male or female, knows not poor or rich, knows not old or young, that when we are all baptized of one spirit into one body, there is a generation. And God says, you all, whether you're old and young, you are my chosen Age does not make a saint of God less chosen than what they were in their more fruitful years of life. Being a part of the chosen generation transcends any one period, transcends any particular age classification. The Bible says, the Lord speaking to his disciples in John 4. In John 4, there's a revival about ready to break out among the Samaritans. Jesus speaking to his disciples in John 4. He says in verse 36, the second phrase starting there, that both he that soweth, he's talking to his disciples, and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, and another reapeth. He said, I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. He said, other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. Christ was talking to his disciples about an approaching revival among the Samaritans. Amen. It was precipitating. It was coming about. He had an encounter with a woman at the well who was a Samaritan woman. The Bible says that they had a conversation and whenever she left that conversation, she went to the city of Samaria and began to tell them, come and see a man which has told me all things that I ever did. And the Bible says that the response of the Samaritans to this woman's words were overwhelming. They came out of their city and they were making their way to Jesus. 
And as they are making their way to Jesus, Jesus takes a little moment of teaching for the disciples. He said, say not ye that there are yet four months and then the harvest. He said, the fields are white. Speaking of the Samaritans coming out of their towns, the fields are white and already to harvest. In other words, disciples, you are living in this time and in this generation and you're gonna be able to go forth and reap some fruit, if you will, of the field only because somebody before you sowed some seed. You are entering into the labors of men and women that came before you were ever born. He was saying this, the reason why you can go out there with your sickle and bring in a Samaritan is because some old prophet in the Old Testament heralded the call about this day that would come. There were some good old prophets and preachers of old that spoke about how the seed was going to go on the ground and be fruitful. Jeremiah didn't see it in his day. He weeped over it. But what you reap today is that you've entered into the labor of an old elder and you're reaping the benefit of their sacrifice. So it's amen. amen. Said boys, the reason why it is as it is right now, and you're not going to have to wait per se, is because there's some been some old men and old women that's laid the groundwork for what you're experiencing today. You're thinking there's got to be a waiting period here. There's got to be by natural means a waiting period after you plant. That's just natural. Amen. When you're reaping, you're going to reap. Amen. What you planted, and that takes time. He says you got it wrong. You're not reaping what you planted. You're reaping what somebody else planted. You're reaping what somebody else, amen, invested in the ground. Honey, I don't want to get so big in my head or here at 1121 Cedar Street to think that what happens around here in the next 15 years is a result of me or any single one of us, but it's the result of God working through men and women of old that have set a platform for harvest. Does that mean we don't sow in our generation? No, it means we must sow in our generation because there's a generation following us. But I got to come to terms that what I sow today, I may not reap today. But if the generation before me has sown, I can both sow and reap. I can sow for the next generation and reap from the previous generation. says boys what's happening right here in this time is the blessings of Moses and Aaron and David and all these different ones that he could mention throughout scripture Elisha and Elijah have come upon this generation and if, if, if you just lean in guys I'll tell you the secret you're living in the blessing of an elder in my scripture text today David was trying to coax Barzillai, an 80-year-old man. The Bible calls him very aged. All right? They didn't just call him aged. They call him very aged. 
some of my elders here this morning said, I can identify with that. There's days I feel very aged. He's trying to coax Barzillai to come to Jerusalem with him. Barzillai had made a 25 to 40 mile trip from Rogelim to conduct King David back over the Jordan River. Folks, you heading out in those days on a 25 to 40 mile trip at 80 years old. It's not in your caddy. It's not in your Ford or your Buick or your Chevy. You either hoofing it or you're hoofing another way by the limo camel. And either of those options at 80 years old and that far of a trip, <laughs> are you ready to go for a trip on a camel for 25 miles? Let's go to Vincennes and we'll get a get together for next two weeks from now on a Saturday. I'll have our camels and go to Vincennes. He came though because of his passion for the king, his respect and diligence toward the king to see him back over the Jordan River because David's going back to Jerusalem to once again secure his throne that was being taken under control for a moment by his son Absalom, but all that had fell to pieces. And so this is quite a trip for a man of 80 years old. Not only that, Barzillai was also whenever David passed over the Jordan fleeing from Jerusalem he was he was one of the three that had provided the Bible says sustenance for David when he had fled from Jerusalem and went to Mahanim and so Barzillai along with a couple others brought some they brought some things to sustain David and those that were with him and consider this list that the Bible describes to us earlier in 2 Samuel what they brought were beds and basins earthen vessels wheat barley flour parched corn beans lentils parched pulse honey butter sheep cheese of kind not kind but kind and with all they brought all this stuff 80 year old man opening up the bounty of his life if you will for the king and with all these kindnesses that have been extended to david David says, Barzillai, why don't you come back across Jordan with me? Go to Jerusalem with me. Let me feed you. In other words, what David was saying, Barzillai, because of all this, I want to take care of you. You're 80 years old. You're very aged. And you might be a very great man. You might be a man of wealth. He said, but you need somebody to take care of you. And I want to take care of you. Now, if you look at verse starting around verse 34, Barzillai is going to speak up and tell him why he would rather not do that. We're dealing with the aged here. He says, basically, I don't have too many more years in my life. I'm an 80-year-old man. I don't have a lot more years in my life. And if I'm going to die, if something's going to take place, I'd much rather just die there at my house, be buried at my mother and father's grave, and just be able to go that way. As a matter of fact, he says, David, I'm an old man. If you were to bless me or you were to treat me with some type of reward, that's just going to be a waste because my years are numbered. 
For that matter, he begins to speak to David and he says, I, I, I don't know. I'm 80 years old. My discernment between good and evil isn't like it used to be. You know what Barzillai was saying? He was saying, my judgment isn't what it used to be. I'm an I'm a old man, so it's probably not good that I go. Not only that, he said, there's going to be all the king's dainties there and the meats and this good food. And David, at 80 years old, my taste isn't like it used to be. The old smeller is failing me. And so that affects the food that's on my palate. And things just don't taste. So you might have the best of the best, but I can't discern how good that is compared to something else I've had because I'm 80 years old. My taste is not what it used to be. For that matter, he says, you're going to have singers there. and People are entertainers that's going to play music and be of the best of their field in your palace and doing all these wonderful things. And he said, my hearing is not like it used to be. I mean, you're going to put the best out there, I know, and it's going to sound wonderful, but it ain't going to sound to me much different than somebody hitting a tin can because I'm 80 years old. So my mind's a little dull. My smell isn't like it used to. I'm not trying to depress any, depress any of our mature saints here. My, my, my mind's a little dull. My ears are not what they used to be. My smell isn't like it used to be. He says, then what every age person somewhere in their age time feels. He says, David, I'd just be a burden to you. Spoken like a true aged person. You're saying baloney. I'm saying no. I've heard it from people right here in this church. Even people intimately close to me. I'll just be a burden to you. Every aged person has a fear somewhere along the way of being a burden to the next generation. Somebody listen to me. And so what Barzillai says, I'll tell you what, David, I'll go a little of the way over Jordan with you. So he says, I'll go a little of the way but not the whole way. But David, I'm not going to keep from going any of the way. You know what he's saying? He said, I'll go a little bit. I ain't going to stay here. I'll go a little bit, but I can't go. I'll do what I can. That's what Barzillai was saying. I'll do what I can. And so Barzillai had done so much for the king and served so well in his lifetime to the king that the king, though undoubtedly, verse 36 tells us, that the king wanted to reward Barzillai. And the Bible says that Barzillai considers even, why should the king reward me? What he's pondering, I'm 80 years old. Not much life here. I can't hear, can't smell, can't walk, can't talk. I got all these things against me that I, the perks and the privileges of the king's presence are not going to serve me for very long and I can't distinguish a whole lot anyway. So why should the king reward me? And the Bible says, Barzillai opened his mouth in verse 37 and said, but behold thy servant Chimham. Let him go over with my Lord the King and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. Are you listening to me? While the King is desiring to put favor and honor and privilege upon an elder because that elder had watched out for the King. That elder had brought sustenance to the King. That elder had befriended the king. While David is willing to put all that honor on the elder, the elder says, I'm old. He said, but I tell you what my preference is. 
the reward that would go to be because of my service, you put it on the generation after me. He says, that which is rightfully mine, that rightfully belongs to me. He says, I'm old. I don't know much how longer it's going to be. I'm around here. But I tell you what my preference is. Put it on the generation that is to come. Someone say amen. Barzell, I saying, listen here, I don't have to personally benefit from this, but David, if you're making an offer, I propose an alternative. Put it on the generation that's coming after me. I commend to you a young man by the name of Jim Ham. The Arabic versions and other versions of the Bible declared this to be Barzillai's own son, Jim Ham. He says, I, I don't place it on me, just place it on my boy. Don't place it on my generation, just place it upon the generation that is going to follow me. If I can give you any instruction, David, go on and give it to the next generation. And so Barzillai's reward becomes the next generation's blessing. So I'm saying to the age today, if it feels like you can't do what you used to be able to do, and there's probably a lot there's probably a lot of credence to that that you can't you can't serve in the kitchen like you used to serve in the kitchen you can't cook the food like you used to cook the food you you you, you can't even seemingly worship like you would really like to worship like you used to worship your hands can't go as high your back hurts you can't kneel on the floor anymore to pray so you stand all these other things God's saying I really want to pour something out upon you and you're saying God I'll do the best that I can I'll go as far, far as I can concerning this reward but everything else of the overflow of what's coming to me don't worry about me God place it on the generation that's coming after me I feel like I've followed in the footsteps of some elders in the church that have stated those very words I can't do it like I used to do it but I'm going to do it the best that I can do it but God if there's anything that's in abundance just go on and pour it on the generation that comes after me and I feel like I am standing in the blessing of elders today. Someone say yes. yes. This is so much so expressed in God's word that Barzillai's reward would become the next generations in so much that whenever David is on his deathbed, you hear me? When David is on his deathbed, some of the final instructions, and I need some more monitor. My voice is going. Out. Some of the final instructions that he gives to his son Solomon in First Kings two seven is this. He's talking to David's on his deathbed. He showed kindness to Jim Ham. All right, Barzillai's son, from what we can gather, but he has some words for his son Solomon as David's dying. He said, "But shoot kindness, Solomon, unto the sons of Barzillai." The Gileadite. And let them be for those that, and let them be for those that eat at my table. For so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom, thy brother. In other words, that 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 continuation of blessing on that generation didn't even stop when David died. David made sure, listen, don't let this stop here. Continue blessing the generation. 
I believe that we're at a good posture in this church, Brother Mason, that the age that are before us are not sitting there with their arms folded and say, yeah, they just wait till some of us fall off the landscape. This thing's going to go down in the tubes. They're going to just really miss out on it all. And they're going to see what is. I don't believe we're dealing with that type of people here at the First Apostolic Church. I don't think we have gray-headed saints here that want to see this thing fail and want to see this thing in and want to see this thing be plucked up by its roots. But I believe they got the attitude when I'm long gone let the blessing of the generation that I lived in and the generations that were before me pour it out pour it out pour it out oh Lord from the north from the south to the east to the west let that wind blow let it convert let it let the reward of my generation go to the next generation let the blessing of the elder Someone say amen. amen. So Barzillai is basically saying, here king is Jim Ham. Here's Jim Ham. Let him go with you king. Everything that you would do for me, do what seems good to you, but do it for him. Can't go the whole way, king. I can't. Mode, but Jim Ham can't. I ain't go a little way, but Jim Ham can go the distance I can't go. He's got the strength that I used to have, he's got the ear that I used to have, he has the voice that I. That I used to have. He has the tenacious willpower that I can go as far as I can go, but Jim Ham can go a little further. I hope this is laying on some ears this morning. My senses are dull, David, but Jim Ham's are sharp. Bestowed the reward, deserving of my years of service and lifetime upon him. The Living Bible says, the Living Bible says that David responded as this. Good, the king agreed. Jim Ham shall go with me and I will do for him whatever I would have done for you. In other words, Barzillai sowed. Jim Ham entered into his labors and reaped. Barzillai went out with precious tears sowing seed. Jim Ham came back rejoicing because he entered into Barzillai's labors. And God, Christ spoke to the disciples and said, as a result of it, you guys are workers together and you should rejoice together someone say amen. amen so as I stand here today I stand upon the shoulders of Bishop McGee as I stand here today I stand on the shoulders of Clifford Corbett and thank God for the blessings of the elders in this church thank God for a Clifford Corbett Bishop, who in the early 40s brought Jesus' name baptism to this area. Now that is just real great, bless Jesus. Some of you never knew Clifford Corbett. I understand that. But here's something you must understand. We're the only apostolic Pentecostal church within the city of Mount Carmel, within the county of Wabash. 
But somewhere back in the early 1940s came a man that had a revelation of the Almighty God in Christ and said if there's any sins to be removed and remitted, it must take place in the name of Jesus Christ. And we are still where our feet are, though we are alone, both city and county, baptizing in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How? Because of a blessing of an elder that said whatever is it repaid to me in my generation, just continue it in their... Continue it in their generation. He sowed a seed that still today we are happily reaping. It's a blessing of an elder. We've entered, Brother Terry McGee, into their labors. We've entered into those labors of those that have preceded us. And I guarantee you, either here or on the other side of the grave, we're going to rejoice together. Uh-huh. But those that are still aged among us right now, I rejoice with you now. But those that have preceded me before I was ever born, honey, on the other side of the grave, we're going to rejoice together. Why? Because one was a sower and the other was a reaper, but they were all concerning the same harvest. Yes! Someone say yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Let's raise our hands right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, God. Jesus Someone say amen It's the blessing of an elder Blessing of an elder In 2 Kings 13 When the old When the young might I say young King Joash Takes the throne Of being the king of Israel The Bible says he goes And visits Elisha Elisha's the old prophet of God Elisha's the one That the, the double portion Of Elijah had fell upon Amen. All of these miracles, signs, and wonders that have been orchestrated through and by the hand of Elisha because the power of God was upon his life. But that young King Joash, that young King Joash of Israel goes to the bedside of Elisha. The Bible says that Elisha is sick with the sickness that he would die by. He's old, he's sick, he's frail, amen. But he's laying there on the bed and this king comes to Elisha and he says, Elisha, oh, thou mighty man of God. And he begins to speak to him about his mentor. Oh, oh, the chariots and the horses of Elijah, all these things. And what the problem was is this. There was a new king here, Joash, that was young, that was fighting against Syria and he wanted some wisdom. He wanted some direction from this old, sickly man of God. That was upon his bed And the Bible says that old man of God Said listen here Joash Go get your bow And go get your arrows And Joash went and got his bow And his arrows He said put your hand upon the bow And on the arrow And he did And that old man of God came up behind him Amen as Joash was back And put his hands upon that young man He said pull back that bow And shoot it out of the window And 
Joash, that young man did so. And the old sickly, frail prophet was behind him and he let it go. And the old man said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. The arrow of deliverance from Assyria. Amen. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying it was a young man that was basically saying, Elisha, you've seen signs. You've seen miracles. You've seen great exploits of God. And I need some of that in my generation. Elisha was just basically letting that young man know I'm not taking all the reward for myself. I've asked God to allow it to spill over into the generation that comes after me. Shoot your arrow. Wield your sword. God's going to bring deliverance in your day like he did mine. Someone say yes. Elisha didn't keep it all bound up in his generation. He didn't say, I served you this way and that way, God. And it's all to come right back home here. Every perk, every privilege, for every time I listened to your voice and obeyed your voice, it's all to come back right here. I'm not allowing this. No, no, I did the work. I did the work. And so this is where the buck stops. No, he allowed it to spill to the next generation. In so much, the Bible says that Elisha was put down in the ground. He's dead. His bones are there. But while they were trying to bury a man, the Bible says, a group spied upon them. And the body of the man they were trying to bury went to the grave of Elisha. And whenever that body touched the bones of Elisha, that body come up and was made alive again. Why? Because Elisha said, I'm not taking it all for myself. I wanted to spill. There's a blessing of an elder that caused a man to get up and live again. Someone say amen. You may be seated. And so, with that being said this morning, our elders are not useless, they are not washed up. And of no further use. On the contrary, what they have sown will continue to be reaped, not just in their generation, but even after they're long gone. Because they have the ability of conferring their blessing onto the coming generations. They're not useless. They're not useless. Due to Sister Craig's health, not being able to be here many times, I love it when she is. I always know when she's here. I hear her voice. I hear her voice. Let me tell you something. That means a lot to a pastor. I hear her voice. I miss it whenever it's not here. Alexis. But not being able to be here. I, for now, still, I upload the podcast here at the church. We were in search to find someone to do that. We were going to have somebody and then understood that there was some uh, technical difficulty that wasn't going to be able to be met in order for that to take place. I don't remember who thought of it. It doesn't really matter. But the idea was approached about Sister Craig. Because she might be aged, but she's a little tech savvy. You know how to post on Facebook and she, I've seen her give words of encouragement through Facebook, and all this stuff. And so we approached her about being the one that uploads our podcast here at the church. And she agreed 100% to it. 
And so we just got to get a time to be able to, to train her in order to do that. And here's a lady that maybe not be able to be able to church every time she can. But she's uploading something that she's very much so blessed by because she loves to be able to hear the podcast whenever she's not in church. And so she's going to, what is she? She's not useless. She's not worthless. By that small, what would seem like a very small task of uploading what's preached here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, she is given access on a daily basis, I'm telling you, on a daily basis, to about 400 people every day to hear the Word of God. We're over 300,000 downloads on our podcast now today. You know what? Sister Angie Craig says, I'm going to just be a part of that. I might not be able to do what I used to do, but I'll go a little way. And I know her heart is this. God, whatever you can't reward me in my lifetime, spill it over on Pastor McGee. Spill it over on the first apostolic. We have a group of Simeons, Simeons and Annas uh, devised here at the church. It will be for our 55 and plus people. It will be for our 50. It's from uh, the book of Matthew and Luke talking about how Simeon was waiting to see the redemption of the Lord. He was an aged man. And that Anna gave herself to fastings and prayers always in the temple. And it's going to be a group of people of that age that's going to be devised. That when we have new people, guests that come to the church, they'll get a list of those names every week. That they can take to God in prayer constantly over those new names. People that are still sitting on these pews that's never been baptized in Jesus' name. Never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. They're going to receive the names of those people. Not to call them, but to call upon God on their behalf that they would receive the Holy Ghost. They'll have times of fellowship and things of that nature also. And there's still some things to be devised. And so we were thinking, who are we going to get? And I said, you know what? I believe mom and dad, they, they still need to be plugged in somewhere. Amen. We thought that's a great idea. And so I talked to Bishop and his wife, and they'll be heading that up. They're not useless. You can't pastor a church for 20 years and give of your life of all that. And he's not in the position never has been in the transition of me becoming pastor I hear all the horror stories from everybody else's transitions and they say well how are things going with your dad I said I don't know what you're saying it couldn't be any better I got to get dad to do things I got to get I got to keep dad plugged in why because dad's saying I don't have to have the reward of those 20 years that I spent at the church let it spill over in the next generation let it spill over into the young people let it spill over in the children that are sitting on their mama's lap it's the blessing of an elder. Everybody doing okay? I know I'm going long. As one guy said, whenever you talk about eternity, you got to take all the time you can get. And so, in my generation, everything must be done to put an end to the tendency to ignore and marginalize the elderly. Leviticus told him to stand up in the presence of the aged. Yeah. That's to go to conferences where preachers are twice my age. You know, they come by, sometimes they're shaking hands. Honey, if they come to me, I'm not shaking their hand like this. I'm standing up. What in the world? That guy has preached more sermons in his lifetime than I did in my first five years. I'm not about bowing down and kissing the toe and all that. I'm just giving reverence to an age. The Bible says in Psalms 44 and verse 2, David in his age evidently 
spoke about how his ancestors, his age, had told him of some things. He said, how thou didst drive out the heathen. He said, our, our, he basically told him, our ancestors have told us how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them and how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. David says, we heard that from our elders. Our elders told us the stories. Our elders told us the stories of there being no groceries and somebody brought back groceries. Our elders told us the stories of how someone was just, just, just viciously, you know, affected by some illness and they couldn't get to the doctor, didn't have the money for the doctor, but a few people got together and said a prayer and by the next morning everything was okay. Our elders told us about all those things of the driving out and the planting. As a matter of fact, David said in Psalms 92, he said those trees that are planted in the house of God, the trees that are planted in the house of God, he said shall still bring forth fruit in their own age. He said those that are planted in the house of God. And so though this morning there may be some and the number will rise maybe over the years of those that are frail, amen, and they're old and they're weak and they're impotent in their bodies. God has perpetuated his promise on the young through the elderly. Amen. The chosen people, even of the Old Testament, were born from the sterile womb of Sarah and the aged body of a hundred-year-old April. The chosen people were. John the Baptist was born from the sterile womb of Elizabeth and the aging body of Zacharias. And the Bible speaks of them both that they were well stricken in years. And though they may have had limitations and they may have had difficulties, the aged, the aged transmitted their reward to the young that became their offspring. Do you hear what I'm telling you right now? Isaac was old. The Bible says his eyes were dim. But you know what? In that moment and in that condition was the blessing of his sons. The blessing of the next generation. Amen. With what in many ways, folks, was a reward of his faithfulness, Isaac's. A reward of his faithfulness to his father, Abraham. Amen. But it was an unparalleled inheritance that he could have just taken and left for himself and to be dispersed however. But no, he says it's going to go to the next generation. The Bible says that Jacob was owed and that he was dim of eyes. But before he gave his final breath, he said, 12 boys, get in here. And as they gathered around his bed, what is Jacob doing? He's conferring blessing upon each of those 12 boys. He even brought in the two grandsons of Joseph, and he's conferring blessing upon those two sons of Joseph. The Bible says he was leaning on the top of his staff and the head of his bed, but he wasn't going to die until he had a blessing that was placed on the next generation. Elderly folks, please don't leave us until you placed your hand of blessing upon us. Please don't leave us until you've spoken a word of faith and say, God, what is coming to me, let it spill over into them and to the generation after. And the, yes. and the generation. Yes. I'm past time. So at 80 years old, Barzillai finds a way to serve by his willingness to give his reward acquired by his years to Jim Ham. You don't read of Barzillai before the scripture. You read of him very vaguely after the scripture. 
He wasn't necessarily quote unquote famous, but he was vitally important to the next generation. Jim Ham will enjoy the perks of an elder's blessing in his life. Even David in his own age, his own old age, I should say, must have recalled the impact of Barzillai's actions as he started to reflect on passing out of his life. Must remember what Barzillai had said in his lifetime and thought, how can I apply that to this juncture of the road to be an age now in my lifetime? Because this is David's request for himself when he was old. In Psalm 71 and 9, David says, Speed to the Lord, cast me not off in the time of old age. He said, forsake me not when my strength faileth. Look at verse 18. David says, now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, look now, forsake me not until, until I have shewed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. What are you saying, David? Don't forsake me, God, until I've had a chance to put an elder's blessing on the generation that is to follow me. If you'll stand with me this morning, I'll hasten to a close. The last verse of the very next psalm, Psalm 72. The next psalm, the last verse of the next psalm, Psalm 72. The last verse of Psalm 72 seemed to indicate that this is the last of the prayers of David. Matter of fact, just let me read the last verse of Psalm 72 real quick. It's real short. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. It's as though as Psalm 72 was the last recorded prayer of David, the psalmist. It's as though David is near death. And if this is the case, then if you read Psalm 72, read it. You got time today. You won't be interested. Read it. Read Psalm 72. When you read it, you're going to understand. If this is David near death and his last psalm, his last prayer, then his last prayer, Bishop, was for his son, Solomon, the next generation. And when you read every sentence in that psalm, he's constantly talking to God about his son Solomon and this is the words this is the theme and the flavor of his words God let him prosper let him prosper as a king let him prosper as this let him prosper as that Lord whatever he puts his hand to do let it be prosperous let it let it go for I don't want to see him fail God let it prosper I want to see him succeed I don't want to see him fail what are you doing David I'm trying to place the blessing of an elder on the next generation. If you can close your eyes in this place, there are, there are people in that 55 above age group today that they don't want to see this generation and the ones to come thereafter. They don't want to see you fail. They don't want to see you turn your back upon God. They don't want to see you to See you forsake the truths that have been grained in your life through the word of the Lord. They don't want to see you make some of the mistakes that they made and have to learn from in their lifetime. 
They don't want you to experience the woe of some of the things that they've experienced the woe of. They want you to succeed. They want you to stand upon whatever they have done and just go a little bit further with it and a little farther with it. That's what he wants you to do. Whenever the Bible says that David actually told Solomon, you're going to be on my throne, there were people that were saying these things. And what the people were saying was this, Solomon, you're going to be greater than the throne of David. Seriously. That's some of the words that were spoken. Solomon, you're going to be greater than the throne of David. And all the exploits of Solomon are going to be grander. And you know what? If David, as an aged man, wanted to, he could curl up in a ball in the corner in the fetal position and suck his thumb and say, after all I've done, after all the warfare I've done, all the fighting, all the blood that has been shed. Who are they to speak that? No, David understood this thing is generational. And he understood that I want to leave a blessing. And there's no greater blessing than the generation that's to come after me to go a little further than what I went because they used where I left off as their starting point rather than go all the way back to where I started. Somebody hear me? Bless him and the elder. Here's the mindset. I think of the young, the old. We, we, we need to respect them. We need to revere them. We need to honor them. But we look to them also today through the spirit and power of Christ that we need the reward of their lifetime to spill over on us in our generation. There was a person that said this, and I close. I'm serious. I'm serious. He said he, he, he was once taken around a great palace, a great estate of somebody. It was a state that was very famous for their rhododendrons plant he said whenever he went around these rhododendrons its owner loved their acres knew all of them by name and he said he, he showed me a certain seedling which this seedling would take 25 years 25 years for that seedling to flower and he said the man that was showing me this was 75 years old and so quite possibly he would never see the beauty of that seedling but his response was this he said, I might not. He said, but someone will. And so we come back to this square in the world of the church that what we do isn't about what we're just doing for and in our generation. But it's about planting seeds we'll never see. But somebody after us will. It's about planting seeds We'll never harvest. But somebody behind us will. It's about the blessing of an elder. Ah, I open these altars today. I wish our elders would come. I wish our young would come. I wish every spectrum of generation that could would come today. Hallelujah. If you would feel led, if you're not in that 55 or above, if you'd feel led today, I'd ask you just to go to one of these elders and say, would you just pray for me? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.